Hello and welcome to the podcast series Raw Talent with me Fiona Abrahams where I'm deep diving behind the scenes into the careers, aspirations and inspiration of the many skilled and talented individuals who enable the fashion and creative industries to feed our passion for clothing and product. Throughout this podcast series I will be reaching out to the global community, exploring the industry through their eyes, asking people to share insights about the work they do, how they got started, their most compelling experiences, the trials and tribulations they have faced and overcome, who they have met along the way, the lasting friendships formed, the part culture plays in the work they do, and their thoughts on their futures and the future of the industry as we navigate the coronavirus pandemic. Welcome to Series 4, Episode 2 of Raw Talent, where we are off to the Netherlands and getting all summary with sustainable swim and resort wear brand, Bauer. As soon as we head to the website, we want to book a holiday and buy everything. Bauer offers modern design-led, beautifully constructed swimwear for men and women that retains functionality and ease of wear. 1% of profits are also donated to the Healthy Seas Initiative. And all swimwear is created from fabrics produced with Econil, a yarn created from post-consumer plastic waste, including discarded fishing nets. Hi Fiona, lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you too, Fiona. (laughs) (laughs) The two Fionas. Are you known as Fee, by the way? I am, yes. Yes, me too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so weird when you talk to another Fiona you always feel like you need to say Fiona but actually everyone calls me Fee <laughs> I know it's super strange <laughs> yeah so our, our paths first crossed back in the day when you were working in luxury wholesale with Paper Mache Tiger and DKNY um tell us where you grew up and what you studied at the University of Technology in Sydney because obviously you're Australian yeah I am Australian I, I grew up in Sydney uh on the northern beaches mostly um and yeah I went to yeah I studied at UTS I actually deferred my degree halfway through so I never fully finished it but um I did uh communications and studied journalism with the aim to become a fashion journalist actually but uh yeah the the university wasn't too happy about that so I found the course really difficult um actually and it kind of turned me off becoming a fashion journalist oh wow what was what was challenging about it Well, UTS is sort of renowned for having a really great journalism course. So most people who get in there have really studied and they're quite passionate about investigative journalism. And, yeah, my professors didn't seem to really appreciate my passion for fashion as such. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it it, it definitely at the time made it really difficult to be excited about the degree. Um, which was a shame because I'd worked so hard to get there, but it's it's just one of those things you learn as you go through life. Yeah, and it's not uncommon actually that people kind of start that start these things for whatever reason, find they're not quite what they thought they would be, and they sort of park it and don't go back to it. That does happen quite a lot, actually. Yeah. It was an entire intention to go back, but then London happened, so I guess <laughs> <laughs> life took a different turn. It definitely did, yeah. Excellent. What was the driving force at the start of your career? How did you get started? How did things evolve? 
I mean, I'd always, since I was little, wanted to work in fashion. I knew that was the course I wanted to take. I wasn't mm-hmm. aware, but I knew I wanted to be in fashion. And when I moved to London, it was with the vision that I wanted to work in industry in a big city, not in Sydney where I felt it was quite, you know, a small pond. Um, and when I went to London, I was kind of open to find out about any aspect of the industry. And so I started in PR um, and then following on from that into sales. And because that's a side of the industry you actually you're not really taught about or you don't really know exists if you're not in mm, it. Really. It's true. Um, yeah, so it was kind of, it was a happy, like just happy chance that I ended up discovering that side of the industry and that's kind of where my career ended up taking off is in the wholesale PR side of things. Amazing. And as your career unfolded, did you actively guide the trajectory or have you reacted to opportunities that have come your way? It's been a combination of both. Um, I always, especially in the early days, I knew that the best way to move forward was to always try and find that next role that would challenge me. So, for example, that was when I went from Paper Mache Tiger to DKNY, two very different businesses. Very and, different. You know, but I knew that was the decision I had to make in order to learn more about the real business side of things and budgets and actual contracts and doing business on a really big multi-million pound scale. Um, but then I've had opportunities that have fallen in my lap um, for example, recently working on the Puma Swimwear global relaunch, which that was not something I would ever have pursued myself. <laughs> but because that opportunity came to me, I saw the challenge and saw again it was a totally different kind of business. And I saw that, yeah, there was an opportunity there to learn a lot more. So I've had a bit of both. I've definitely guided my career by the choices I've made and challenging myself, but I've had the opportunities come to me that I've thought, okay, here's something totally different. Um, let's give it a try and see yeah, where it takes me. Yeah, no, that sounds, um, that's, that's the story I hear quite a lot actually from people. What are the highlights from your pre-Bauer industry experience? Oh, the highlights, I mean, on a, on a personal level when it comes to the industry, the highlights of it have been made, the amazing women I've met. You know, I have most of my friends have come from working within the industry. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, Fashion Week has become a real sort of uh, catch up place. You know, actually, last year with Corona, it's been a real kind of strange year because normally you'd have you know, your Paris Fashion Week, you meet with all your friends, yeah. and there's just not been that opportunity. So, yeah, that's been a highlight. And I, I think as well, you know, before the jobs I had before Bauer, they were real first times. You know, it was the first time I went to Paris Fashion Week, the first time I did Milan, you know, really exciting times. And, um, yeah, those were definitely the highlights. So those were the jobs that kind of really showed me how the industry worked and gave me the experiences which I, you know, would have never had without those jobs. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, I can I can appreciate that. How did you come to found Bauer? Um, it was a bit of kind of wanting to do my own thing, but not really knowing how. And then meeting my current partner Rupert, and just having discussions about what we would do if we wanted to do a brand. You know, I'd worked behind the scenes helping other young brands 
launch into the market and Rupert's background was sort of art direction and photography and he'd had a few brands of his own as well as working for friends. And being both from Australia and both growing up in the same place, it, it just we noticed there was kind of a gap in the market five, six years ago in Europe for a swimwear brand that had that sort of laid-back Australian vibe that wasn't a super high price price point, sorry, but also wasn't high street. You know, mm. the time, there was nothing in the middle. I mean, now there's a lot in the middle. Mm, definitely. At the, time, at the time there wasn't. And that's where it came from. And just knowing, although I'm not a designer by, you know, I didn't study design. It's not my strength. You know, I've lived in swimwear my whole life. It's something I've always been passionate about I saved for swimwear and so that's sort of where it came from is seeing a gap in the market and working with a product that I loved so much personally um yeah that's sort of where our inspiration came from yeah wow and in terms of what you've learned during the journey as a co-founder of a brand what insights can you share with us I've definitely learned to to take any problem and not let it bother me <laughs> because when you have a small business, especially a fashion business where you're trying to make product, there is weekly problems that come that could destroy the business, you know, whether it's a factory not producing a collection for you or a store not paying you or whatever it may be. There's always some solution and I've just learned to really roll with the punches I think I can't remember who said it, but I remember someone saying, "Think of if you have a problem, think is this going to matter in five years? Mm. If not, then just saying, okay, well, it's not really a big problem." And that I just kind of everything that's happened to us that's a re- this, I felt like it was overwhelming or difficult to manage. I just kind of keep thinking that and thinking, okay, it's all right. We can work through this, and and you can even when it feels really bad if you're honest with you know, the people you're working with, everyone will support you when you have a small business. Um, It's just, yeah, having to learn to roll with the punches and find solutions rather than freaking out at every... Every every, challenge. Yeah, every challenge that comes up because there's a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. That's really good advice, actually. Um, I love your latest collection. The colours make me want to go and book a holiday. Tell us about the inspiration behind it. Well, we started designing this collection beginning of 2020. So I guess just when we started hearing about the pandemic and not being, you know, everything shutting down. And we just wanted to create a collection that was just fun and vibrant and was about sort of memories of summer's past and sort of just about, yeah, getting us excited for the possibilities of when we can go to the beach again and can travel. And that was really it. You know, we our, our designs are very minimal in class. Yes. So for us, playing with colour and prints is really important and that's where the fun comes into it. So, you know, we especially love to play with the Liberty archival fabrics and get them to change them for us, you know, blow them up to really outsize them and make them look totally different. And, yeah, we just, the whole collection is just trying to be playful and trying to just bring a bit of happiness out of what was a pretty depressing year for most, I think. Absolutely. I think that's why I just looked at your website and I was just like, oh, I love everything. (laughs) Thank you. 
Sustainability plays a key role in the brand's ethos uh, through several initiatives. I'd love you to share what those are with our audience. Sure. We we definitely focus a lot on sustainability. I guess as well as sustainability for us, the most important thing is actually ethical production. Mm. Sustainability is now, I mean, it's been used for greenwashing by so many companies. Mm. very easy to say that a product is sustainable but it's not very easy to say something is ethical that's true we really prefer to focus on the ethical side of our business and Um, what makes let's explain what makes the difference between sustainability and ethical what do you have to do to be to, to be authentically ethical to be authentically ethical you need to know your supply chain really well Mm. be able to track every part of what you make you know down to the cotton that's used in your (laughs) um, stitching you need to be able to ensure that the person making your product is paid a fair wage and safe environment you know it it's really looking at the business holistically and ensuring that all your suppliers not just where your fabric comes from is you can manage in an ethical way you know and that's that's even almost more important to me than using sustainable fabrics because sustainable fabrics, they're a very easy way to make a statement. But at the end of the day, you're sending those fabrics to a factory where the workers are being paid, you know, five cents a day. It undermines the whole message you're trying to send out there. So for us, yeah, being ethical is so important. Um and we do that through producing in Europe only, working with a really small, two really small suppliers who we visit. Um, of course, our fabrics, you know, we use our swimwear fabric especially is made with Econol, which is mm-hmm. now, I think most people have now heard of Econol and the story of it. Um, we, as well, in partnership with Econol, we donate 1% of our profits to Healthy Seas who actually work with um, Aquafil, who create Econol, to um, turn their waste from the sea, like gross fishing nets, some of the plastic, uh, into Econol, recycled yarn. So we're trying to close the circle in a small way. It's still very difficult because um, Econol, once mixed with elastane, that's actually the end of its life cycle. So you can't recycle a swimsuit. But... Yeah, we try and do different things to close the loop but also to be, be as ethical and sustainable as possible, even down to now the hygiene strips on our swimmer are made from a, de- de- a compostable <laughs> um, plastic so they will you can throw them in your compost. Um, all our poly bags are now compostable. Uh, we use compostable shipping bags. Um, we use... Yeah, wrap, uh, tissue paper that can also that's made from recycled pulp. So we try to make every element as good as possible when it comes to the earth and ethics and sustainability. That's fantastic, and I guess you can only move as far as the technology yeah. uh, allows you to. But it sounds like you're doing amazing things there. Yeah. So yeah, every year new technologies come out, new products come yeah. out. So it's it's ever evolving, you know, true, and very quickly, don't you think? It really, yeah. I mean, in the five and a half years we've had Bauer, it's gone from only a very small amount of fabric was available to us, and that was it. 
and that didn't and there was no you know we had to use plastic virgin plastic poly bags plastic hygiene strips there was not you could really find very little in terms of other sustainable products to you know complete your product with Mm. now almost every element if you find it and are willing to spend a bit more money you can yeah, you can find whatever you need now. Find the alternatives that you're looking for. Exactly. It's yeah. encouraging. Hmm. 2020 was such a topsy-turvy year for us all. What did you learn through the experience? Oh, wow. What did I learn? What did we learn? I guess we learned that, well, as a business, we're resilient. I think that was, you know, the biggest takeaway. I think when it first happened, you know, the lockdowns in February, there was really a fear of maybe we can't survive this. You know, I've survived a lot, but maybe this is really it. Mm, yeah. And actually we were able to kind of pivot a little bit in terms of, you know, really pushing ourselves as a direct-to-consumer brand, creating a few new product lines, um, learning how to communicate better with our customer. You know, I think last year made people want to hear a lot more about brand owners and actually the people behind companies. And a hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think we learned that just being honest and open about who we are really, you know, <laughs> made people um, respond to the brand better. And so, yeah, we found a real resilience in the business, um, and it just reinforced yeah. that. You know, as I said before, the the whole concept of it does is it going to matter in five years? I think last year reminded us it's not going to matter in five years. We can get through this. So yeah, definitely. And what would you say are the major challenges as we navigate towards the new normality? What challenges do you see there? I think there are quite a lot of challenges still. I mean, we on a basic level, our business is you know we're selling a product that is about travel essentially yeah and that is something that the new normal probably won't involve as much of um and so maybe it'll be local yeah exactly which i mean for uk-based customers it might not be as weather we're going down to cornwall (laughs) i mean the water's a bit cold but it's fine we might have to go in august yeah warmed up by then yeah i mean there's definitely the challenge of yeah as a resort and swim brand that what does summer look like are people going to want to invest in you know a summer wardrobe um I think they are, though, because um, as our climate gets warmer and warmer, and we're definitely noticing that um, our summers are hotter, I think that I feel like that people very much will. Yeah, it's true. It is true. And I, I think as well people are coming to understand buying ethical and sustainable, especially after what's happened in the past year. You know, it's important in terms of the environment and, you know, what they want their future to look like. Mm. Um, but I think just in terms of business the challenges are you know wholesale is becoming a real challenge Mm. you know fashion weeks have been cancelled since last resort market yeah Um, that's really I think retail partners are now becoming harder to bring on board because they're having challenges you know the bricks and mortar stores are struggling there's been a lot of closures with really big stores Yes, 
And so I think they won't want to invest in small brands as much as they previously have been. You know, they will want to invest in the brands that have a proven track record of sales and that's a real challenge. So I think it, it means our wholesale business is probably going to become the smaller side of our company. Yeah, I think that's happened for a lot of companies, but then it provides a great opportunity to really push the brand in terms of direct consumer. So, and that's, I think, where they're, where people have really been gaining massively, certainly from what I've heard from talking to brand owners. Yeah. That seems to be where the opportunity really lies. So It's true. And I can't deny working direct to consumer gives you so much more freedom. Of course. You absolutely. Know, you're not designing for a store you're designing just for your customer and you can be a lot more creative and yeah put a product out there that you really believe in rather than that's what it should be about anyway shouldn't it it needs to come from the heart it is true it's hard though when your background is wholesale and you're so used to to working with wholesale partners and trying to you know ensure you're making a collection that will have a strong sell through or yeah it's it's a it's a totally different mindset, but it's one that yeah, it's quite liberating actually in the end. So yeah, it's wholesale is definitely a challenge and that I think with the new normal, you know, yeah, doing anything face to face is going to become a harder um yeah, harder part of the business. But I guess there's some positives as well with the new normal, which is having a more open dialogue with our customer and yeah, creating a brand that really is just something we ourselves love as well, which is nice. Yeah, totally. Because then it just fuels your passion to keep going. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, and it makes it exciting when you when you're as passionate about it as you are. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I this is the first the start of this year. You would think we'd feel the maybe the most negative we've ever felt, but we're the most excited about the brand that we've ever felt. So yeah, you should be. It looks amazing. So. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll all get through all all the little bumps along the road. Um and I'm sure that things are gonna end up in a much better place. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. What um what would you say has been your greatest achievement so far in the journey of the brand? Oh, this is a really hard one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's I don't think there's been one sort of defining achievement. I think you know, there's just been these little amazing goals that have kind of happened that at the time, we didn't think much of them, but in retrospect, it's incredible. You know, we've had Giselle shot by Mario Testino wearing one of our swimsuits in Vogue magazine. That's a pretty big one. Yeah, which, you know, for someone who has read Vogue magazine since I was tiny, and for, for my partner who, you know, he's a fashion photographer himself, it's quite, that was quite a big moment. Mm. Um and I think all those moments that we've forgotten, we've had, you know, we had Jessica Alba on the cover of Marie Claire wearing us from swimwear. Wow. Yeah, we've had some really great, in terms of just like the brand awareness and press things, we've had really exciting things like that happen, which you forget happen. And at the time, actually, uh, you know, in retrospect, yeah, they're really big achievements for a small, really small brand. You know, you have to, I have to remember that sometimes. Yeah, because it's fantastic. And you have a strong social media following. What do your customers tell you they love about the brand? They love what we stand for. I think that's what we hear the most. Is that mm. through, because one of the aims is through having a brand like this, we're trying to also show that you can have a product that's beautiful, that's on trend, that 
people want and it doesn't have to be fast fashion it doesn't have to be made offshore by people you don't know it you know we're trying to show through education and through just being kind of as honest as possible and true to ourselves that yeah you can have a brand that doesn't undermine all the ethics of that makes sense yeah and so we hear that a lot and I think people also just love one of the things I'm really proud of is our especially in our direct-to-consumer side of things, our customer service. Our customers really love the way, I mean, it's just me doing it. <laughs> and I think they're really shocked when they go to our live chat and it's actually me answering them. Or Amazing, because they love the interaction and the authenticity of dealing with the owner. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, we hear that a lot, that they really have loved the experience of oh. getting my help to buy something for themselves. That's so nice. Yeah, it is really nice. It's it's probably one of the funnest parts of having a brand is that interaction with your customer. Definitely. Share with us an unexpected turn of events that delivered surprising results. I think there is. I think, I'm sure lots of people will say this, the pandemic um, was an event that really it was unexpected and it really pushed our company to the edge but in the end we had our best one of our best years yet well that's definitely worth celebrating yeah <laughs> so it's considered <laughs> yeah, I mean it came out of the blue yeah. <laughs> we had no idea um we didn't have any idea if it would kill us or not and in the end it actually it has been one of the best things for us it reinvigorated us as founders mm. um, because it pushed you into action. It did, and it also made us, I think, seeing people respond so well to the brand. Yeah. Everyone is probably going through a really difficult time. Um, it made and the us- brand puts a smile on your face. There's no question. You go to the website, you see the beautiful colours. It's so spot on. Um, you just want to buy something. <laughs> right. I mean, swimwear, it shouldn't be serious. It is fun. Definitely not. <laughs> ideas you know there's a lot of very serious you know, beautiful serious fashion product out there and we're just selling swimwear and some stuff it should be fun absolutely yeah enjoy it and make fun memories in it you know it yeah seriously get some good snaps absolutely <laughs> what are your thoughts on brand collaborations like if you could choose anyone to collaborate with who would you have at the top of your list we, I mean, I love a brand collaboration. I think you have to be really careful with them. Um, mm-hmm. But we have a couple coming out. We have one actually, which I mean, I can share it. Yeah. Um, we're working with a Dutch model, but she's also an artist called Lois Schindler. Um, she's actually one of our models from our e-commerce from spring, summer 20. Um, and she, we're doing some t-shirts with her some really nice long sleeve tops and that works with us because you know our brand we've always worked with friends who are artists to create prints for us Mm. and we thought this is really nice it's someone we've worked with as a model to do something with her to showcase what she does other than just modeling yeah fantastic and also you know a, a different kind of product for us and so that that kind of collaboration we're working really closely with someone and it's all of our ideas together, all three of us, you know, Rupert, Lois and myself. Lovely. Has been a really, yeah, incredible. 
that's something fun to look forward to. It is, yeah. But um, I think you don't want to do too many of them. You know, we have a few uh, currently in the talks. Um, one of them is with someone who we, who you know, we'd love. We've always wanted to do something with. So I'm not going to say who because we want it to be a surprise. But she was definitely on the top of our list of people we wanted to collaborate with. Exciting! Is that to come in 2021? Yeah, it is. So. Aww. nice watch this space but I mean yeah I think it can be great for a brand especially when it's people especially when you're working with another brand that doesn't do what you do or you know has a different vision it's it's a way especially for Rupert and I to work with other people outside the company yeah it's lovely it's refreshing it really is yeah yeah Amazing. And that kind of brings me to our closing question. If you could hire any three people in the world to lend their expertise, who would you choose and why? Oh, gosh. So I would probably choose um, Phoebe Philo because I think she is a visionary. I think what she did with Celine was amazing. Yes. Um, I remember going to actually uh, a talk with her and Alexandra uh, from Vogue, the editor of Vogue. Yeah. So interesting and she had a lot of insight into just, yeah, how brand is run and how she created this whole very strong vision um, within a really old-fashioned house and really reinvigorated something. How inspiring. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. Um, And who else? I guess... I mean, Vivian Sassan, and this is a bit of a, a funny one, but she's an incredible Dutch photographer. And she has real beautiful imagery of women's bodies. And I would hire her because I think she would bring something visually so different to a business. And for us, a lot of our our brand is built around the visuals because my partner is a photographer. Yes, your photography is beautiful, I have to say. Very talented. <laughs> Very talented. And you, you know, you jump into the journey. It's like I'm there with the model. It's like all of a sudden you're on holiday somewhere. It's really captivating. Yeah, that's what we try. We try to do that sort of French L from the 70s and 80s kind of it's thing. It's working. It's working. Yeah, that's where we're at. Good. That's a good choice. And who'd be your last person? And then my last person would be, I mean, we'd. I think having someone like... <laughs> this might also be odd, but someone like Picasso, if you could ever have an amazing artist in-house, you know, as I said, we love to collaborate with artists and maybe I should be choosing someone who's a real business visionary, but actually if I'm going to be really a dreamer, <laughs> I would say, like, it would be amazing to have, you know, really go a bit off-centre and have someone like, you know, a Picasso hired to, to you know create your prints amazing gosh that would be that's that's something to imagine isn't it and his daughter does design for tiffany and co so it's not there you go there's an opportunity real. there <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure she'd love to come come and do something out of the box for you there's a lot of very talented women from the business of fashion 500 who have a lot of you know incredible insight but i think yeah. i'm being real a dreamer no, I think that's that's the whole purpose of the question. So it's been well answered. Thank you so much for sharing your insights today. It's been lovely to have you. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. 
I feel excited about the summer chatting with Fiona today. It has been interesting hearing her career journey from the decision to park her university degree in journalism in Sydney and head across the world to the UK, where through a mixture of actively driving her career path and reacting to opportunities, she established a career in wholesale at Paper Mache Tiger and DKNY, exposing her to large-scale budgets and brand strategy. Bow was founded with her photographer husband Rupert as an ethical swimwear brand focused on circularity from sustainable raw materials to small run production with two small specialist European factories. After the initial impact of the pandemic, Fiona and Rupert seized the opportunity to pivot the business more towards a direct-to-consumer model and have gone from strength to strength, experiencing a delightful reaction from their customers who love the personal engagement with Fiona. As co-founders, they are relishing the opportunity to create product that they love, rather than product tailored towards the wants and needs of wholesale retailers. There are some exciting collaborations to look forward to in 2021, with new product dropping in the coming months, just in time for the summer holidays. If you enjoyed this episode, join me next time when I will be speaking with another inspirational individual. And if you are enjoying the series, hit the subscribe button to receive notifications on upcoming episodes where you'll get to hear first-hand insights from across the global fashion and creative industries.